We're back! Once again, we are back. This is Season 3, Episode 1, New Alabama Season. Smells like fall in the air. Can't wait. Got a lot to talk about today. Let's not get too bogged down in the intro. Let's go ahead and get right to the action. This is Pat's Interference. Well, hey there, everyone. You're listening to another brand spanking new season of Pat's Interference. We're in our third year. Year one was pretty good. Year two, we feel like we made some major strides, but we're thinking year three, hoping and expecting year three to be the best we've had yet. Going to have a lot of fun with it. Looking forward to the 2017 season. We'll get right into it. I'm Patrick Brickman. I'm Patrick Nord. Brick, we're like we're like two elderly Jedi. You know, we're, we're seasoned now. We, we've well, seen the fog of war. You know, upperclassmen. So, what what would you say? Would you say we're like we're like a Yoda or like a like a seasoned Luke Skywalker? Maybe, maybe a little Qui Gon Jinn action. Did you know Liam Neeson and I have the same birthday? Have I ever told you this? Hey, that's pretty cool. On, that's on a cute little fun fact to open up the third year on June seventh, Alan Iverson, Liam Neeson, and your co-host Patrick Norwood all celebrate the same birthday. I celebrate my birthday with uh, Mexican independence. So that's. A lot better. I'm really jealous, but okay. Anyway, how's it going, everybody? No, but I, you know, I, I would say I need to uh, interject here. I would say that we are Luke. Uh, probably the first time he left Dagobah. We got a little bit of uh, force yeah. power now, but we're yeah. <laughs> we're gonna be full fledged Jedi by the end of the year. Let's we're, put it we're, that way. We're kicking the door into Jabba's palace pretty hard right now. It's our junior season of Pat's interference. It is. It is. We're we're starting to get we're starting to get some eyes, Brick. You know, Mel Kiper is starting to talk about our, you know, our covering speed. A little bit. Talk about our stripping ability. Football oh, I like these guys. They come at you with the great facts. They get in there and they get the pass in, and they always make sure to get you with the hard stuff. That they was come good. In. That Thank was you. really I've good. I've listened to a lot of him. That was good. That was good. Well, welcome, everybody. If you've never listened to this before, we're a couple of goofy dudes who do podcasts about Alabama football and then do another episode every week about the NCAA. Uh, some weeks, uh, some episodes are more fluid than others. When you get 30 minutes of Alabama, you get an hour of NCAA. Some weeks you get a two-hour mega episode where it's jammed all into one. We're going to do a little bit better about uh, keeping track of that uh, this year. Uh, going to come at you with some new stuff, some new segments, because everybody loves our segments, Brick. Uh, but we, we've got some, we got some housekeeping. Got some housekeeping. Do. Let's do it. Go ahead and go over that for us. Uh, you know, well... Like you said, we try to be, at least this was starting last year, and we want to stick with it, we try to be a two-time-a-week uh, episode podcast, especially during the regular season, and, um, you know, we try to do that, like you said, Alabama first week. Uh, I'd like to get in those reactions at games probably a little bit quicker this year out of the uh, Saturday games, not wait till maybe Tuesday. I want to get it out maybe Sunday or Monday, and we try to do two a week. If life gets in the way, uh, we make sure we get you a really good one episode that week, and we'll let you know on social media because that's our other commitment this year. Is yes, we're going to uh, really try to step up the social media game. Yes. Um, if we see 100%. news happen, we we hope you see it on ours first. If not, we're gonna also just try to be a more uh, you know little interactive more, out little there, more loose, a little more yeah, loose, loosey goosey. Loose. I'd like I'd like one of us to be at least per game. I know you um, are working a lot of the games, and if you are, then I'll be tweeting from it. Just tweeting sure. a lot from the account during games, and sure. just having fun interacting with people. Let the thumbs fly. Let the thumbs fly. Uh, but we also have individual Twitter accounts. If you want to hit us up on those, you know we love it. We love it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So that's the housekeeping. That's that's the boring stuff. Before we get into football, though, uh, we just had. We haven't had a podcast in a while. We kind of let ourselves live our life during the summer. Sure. And I want to know, as you were living your life. What was happening? What's good? It's been good, man. It's been a great summer. Uh, you and I actually uh, got to hang out for a few for a weekend in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Great as is little, tradition. Great little area. Yeah, as is tradition. Uh, good time with friends. You know, had had a couple really rainy nights. Broke a hot tub. Uh, what, what else? Uh, we th- broke a lot of stuff, but yeah, threw a Pepsi can off of a balcony. It was a good time. It was a good. It time. was a good time. We had uh, some pretty good Italian. Gatlinburg's a cool oh, place, and uh, great place. I was great glad place. we got to go, and we went. Uh, we went with the wives. We went with the girlfriends. We went with some friends of friends and friends, and it yeah. was a wonderful weekend for us, and therefore the world. It was great. Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, other than that, just been traveling across North Carolina, going to uh, you know, in, I just realized last week. Uh, in two weeks, I went to four minor league ballparks across North Carolina. It was it was a good time. It's a good time. Nice little tour. Uh, Durham Bulls, great. 
Uh, Winston-Salem Dash and Greensboro Grasshoppers, also good. But my favorite, uh, Burlington Royals. Uh, stadium seats maybe 12 people. Uh, Jade and I, uh, Jade, my girlfriend, and I uh, probably quadrupled the amount of teeth in the ballpark. Uh, not crapping on the Burlington Royals at all because those are some diehard fans. Will be going back. Great experience. Was able to go to Bark in the Park, where as a part of a dog parade brick, uh, with my dog Skyler, Jade's dog Bosco, and one other wiener dog whose name was Schnitzel. A dog, by the way, that you have adopted I since did. our last episode I of did. Pat's Interference. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had her. I think I had her one episode since it, but either way, I, it's been a while. This I, is your official Pat's Interference announcement, though, of the adoption yes, of this dog. Yes, What a great dog, by the way. Skylar, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Skylar is a great dog right now. Uh, you may hear her interject. Uh, on some podcasts and I'm going to leave those in there because if there's anything that Brick and I have done with this podcast it's that we're very authentic uh, and down to earth and nothing says that more than the jingling of a dog collar or a stray bark when they hear someone walking outside so yeah there and you if you're go. listening into my place you might hear you know the sounds of um, quiet sobbing and that's just that's just usually me underneath the microphone while Patrick's talking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, we try to be authentic here, you know, it is. In, in look look into our lives. Uh, you know, well, I'm glad everything's been working for you. I have less to update you on. Uh, the summertime of a local sports guy is slow. Honestly, it's just slow, boring. Slow. And last week, just like the Alabama football team, is really when it kind of picked up pace. College football starts, high school sure. football starts. Got to cover all that. I was actually at FSU Media Days this morning. We'll get into that a little later. That was kind of cool. Made sure to ask every player they brought us, you know, about their thoughts about Alabama, and made sure I asked them about that first game. And it's a good little insight in their, um, you know, their mindset heading into what is now under a month. I want to say it's 27, 26 days. I'd ask Siri, but she's across the room. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, got my credentials, by the way, for that. That's excellent. That's excellent. Can't wait. You need some new footage on the website, perhaps? It's That's the plan. That's uh, the plan. I love it. I love it. All right, let's go ahead and get into it, Brick. Uh, you know, we're we're planning on these first few episodes just being about fall camp. May throw one in there, kind of looking around the NCAA, looking around the SEC. Got a little bit of an SEC update at the end of this episode. Patrick, I have a big announcement, though. Big announcement, my friend. Are you sitting down? I'm sitting. Should I not be? No, you should be. Okay, I am. Because here's the thing. I've gone ahead and picked my team this year. Uh-oh. My sweetheart team. Last year's Purdue. i got to say goodbye to the Boilermakers. Got to gotta, gotta give a little boin voyage. It's tired of the losing. I'm tired of it. So you know where we're, we're going to travel over to Texas, Brick. And oh we're, not, we're not going Longhorns. We're not even going to go Cougars. The Rice Owls, my friend. I love rice. Or about to have a great season. This is a great pick. David Blaliff on the hot seat entering in his 11th season. Everybody is terrified. They don't know what to think. Three years ago, the guy's making bowl games winning seven games. Last two years, he's barely scraped the bottom of the barrel for recruits. Then he goes 3-9 and nine last year, sitting at home during bowl season. Didn't even take a bowl in. Had a Christmas at home. Nobody wants a Christmas at home in college football. Billy Lynch entering in his first year of offensive coordinator. He's got a doozy, Brick, because I don't know if you I don't know if you've heard what's going down over at Rice, but they've got a little quarterback battle going. You've got redshirt sophomore Jackson Tyner, you've got JT Granado, and Sam Glaceman. Sam Glaceman, a uh, There's three people in there. Three people hold on. You, you, but wait, there's more. True freshman Miklo Smalls. Uh, looking to make his footprint. You're killing me, Smalls. Down there. I hope he wins the job just so we can say that all year. And you know what? Go Owls. Fly I like it. hard away is what I'm going to assume. Who do they there. play this year? Look it up. We need to look up some of these key games from Please. them while I tell you my uh, – I guess I've got, I've, I've got a sweetheart. I've got a sweetheart. I've actually wait. taken this team recently on NCAA 14 of the national championship as offensive coordinator. May that series rest in peace. R.I.P. The FAU Owls, led by former Tennessee head coach, former USC head coach, former Alabama offensive coordinator Lane Kiffin. Yes. Who will be quarterbacked by last chance U season two star, former Florida State quarterback, now current FAU starting quarterback DeAndre Johnson. Not DeAndre Jordan. Not DeAndre Jordan, not DeAndre Francois. Ooh. DeAndre Johnson. 
Yes. Uh, Rice opening up the season at home versus Stanford at 10 p.m. Look out because they're looking to uh, catapult themselves from a win over a big old Pac-12 school to a CUSA title, my friend. At Pitt versus Army. You said they're opening against Stanford? They are. You know who's shaking in his boots right now? David Shaw, the head coach of the Cardinal. Got to be. They get at UAB. Get to travel to good old Legion Field where you and I have uh, been around the block a time or two. Southern Miss before rounding out the season with North Texas at home. 1 o'clock. That's going to be a great senior day. Can't wait to see all those Rice Owls making making their big old senior day. Going 9-3. and three. I'm predicting 9-3 and three this year for Rice. I feel like that's being modest. I'm looking at Florida Atlantic right now. They've got a very manageable schedule. They open at home against Navy. Or at sure. least, actually, that might be a neutral side game. Um, I don't know. I don't know if they would even bother putting Florida Atlantic in a neutral site game, but it has a star next to it. <laughs> then they go week two. This is this is a tough one, but I feel like my boys, my owls, are going to pull it out. Owl up, baby. We both played um, owls. We did, didn't we? I hope our owls play in a bowl game. Would that, that not that be, would be fun? That would just be poetic justice. Week two, they're going to Wisconsin, taking on the Badgers. I think that's a win. And then everything else... I mean, if DeAndre Johnson turns out to be anything uh, useful, you know, they, they play Bethune-Cookman, Buffalo, Middle Tennessee, Old Dominion, North Texas, Western Kentucky, Marshall, Louisiana Tech, FIU, Charlotte. I see no reason why this isn't a 11-1, uh, 10-2 season. Sure. You know, knocking on the door to the playoffs sure. in Lane Kiffin's first season in Boca Raton, Florida. And then he gets uh, he gets the boot for, uh, you know, having some promiscuous activity with a hostess or, you know, uh, accidentally buying a drink for a student under the pseudonym Joey Freshwater. Okay, let's get into the real stuff, Brick. It's let's... Joey Saltwater now, by the way. <laughs> oh man, let's get let's get into the reason we started doing this whole dang thing. Yep. Week one of camp is over. Fan day is gone. No run of the Gumps this year, by the way. They didn't do it. I was looking for that. They didn't do but... it. They they didn't. I don't think they allowed them to run because a couple of them started to run out the tunnel upset. and they said no. You know no that's must. a tradition unlike any other. It is. It absolutely College is. football is missing a piece of its heart this year. So what do we know and what do we want to know so far? Well, offensive no line. No quarterback battle, by the way. No don't quarterback have battle. So there's nothing. There's do no, not worry uh, about it. Or at least so says Coach Saban. Do not worry about it and stop asking me about it. I, I will stop asking him about it every time I see him. Uh, your offensive line in your first couple drills of the uh, first week of camp, you've got Williams, Pierschbacher, Bozeman, Cotton, Womack. What is the weak link, in your opinion, on that line, if that is the line, day one, September 2nd, going in against Florida State? To be honest, I like that line. I really do. I'm not mad about uh, it. With, with Jonah Williams at left tackle, he has the uh, every every ability to be what Barrett Jones was on sure. that line, a linchpin for three, four years. And he, he a true freshman, he was the best true freshman tackle Alabama's maybe ever had, and that's you know saying a lot. Um, I guess would be would it be Womack the one we've seen the least out of, or maybe uh you know I think it's funny. maybe Bozeman left to right know. this line gets not only less experience I'd say but less impressive. You start that's pretty with, typical though when you when you got a right-handed thrower I sure, suppose sure but Williams great Pierschbacher pretty good Bozeman's got some experience but it was lacking at points last year then you go Cotton yeah. Not a lot of playing time. And then you go Womack, Wolf. Really not a lot of playing time there. So I, I think it's interesting. I think we're going to uh, have to kind of wait and see how the right side of the line kind of develops throughout the fall. Maybe they change. Maybe they uh, flip Pierschbacher and Cotton uh, just to sort of, you know, even out that line. Um, but we'll just kind of have to wait and see because it is just week one of camp. And hey, you know. I got a name to look out for, though. What's that? You got to look out for Alex Leatherwood. Remember how uh, Jonah Williams came in as a mm-hmm. five star and started Week One at right tackle. Sure, I could see a world where the you know the other top five player in the in the country last year, our uh, number two recruit that we signed behind Najee Harris, uh, Alex Leatherwood. I could see him coming in, and if he plays well in fall camp, I could see him taking that right tackle spot right under Matt Womack's you know nose. Well, let's go ahead and uh, move. Look, check out this transition. It's season three. We're doing transitions now. Uh, you just <laughs> mentioned a true freshman. What about what about one Jerry Judy? 
What's all the hype with this guy? Do you buy it? And is it going to be a fruitful endeavor for the Crimson Tide this year? I don't know how they keep getting these guys that come in and, you know, wide receiving is an art, obviously. Obviously. You, you, see, you see the best ones are the ones that give it the time and the urgency that a position, you would think, requires. Right. You know, a lot of people think that receivers would just step in and just try to run fast, cut hard, and catch the ball and be athletic. But it's an art, and you need to be smooth in and out of transitions, in and out of cuts. Your routes have to be crisp, and you got to be shifty. And I don't know how we keep getting these guys that are just from this true freshman mold that keep going out there looking exactly the same in the spring and the early fall. And, you know, it started with Cooper, really, because obviously Julio Jones is a different monster. But Cooper was a four-star. Right. He comes in, and he tears it up, and true freshman. Ridley did the same thing. They look like spitting images of each other. And Jerry Judy comes in and looks like the same thing. I mean, I'm telling you. Yeah. Route runner wide open in the spring game, and people are like, who is this guy? No, I always tell you this story. Um, my dad, we were watching a game, uh, one of Calvin Ridley's freshman games, and he said, you know, when Julio Jones came to campus and then he left, I told your brother, you need to remember every single play he's ever made because we're never going to see a wide receiver like that at Alabama again. And then Amari Cooper came in. And then I looked at you, because you were in school then, his last year, and I said, you need to remember what it's like to watch him play, because we're not going to have somebody who runs routes like that again. Now Calvin Ridley's here. I don't know what to tell you. And I think Jerry Judy's the next one in line. You know, just continuing that story. And, you know, unfortunately, Andy Norwood doesn't have any children left to tell that to. But, um, you know, I think Calvin Ridley and Jerry Judy are kind of the future. Now let's go into Calvin Ridley. Uh let me ask you a question. Do you think he's going to have a similar year? You remember Omari's sophomore year it was, was kind of a down year, and then really ramped it up his junior year. Do you see something similar coming out of Calvin Ridley this year? You know, it's funny when you look at it, because their seasons, if you look at the numbers, I wish I could pull them up right here. I had them the other day. They are almost exactly the same. I mean, from Cooper to Ridley, you had year one, they both had just shy of 1,100 yards true freshman year. Cooper had more touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Year two, they were both around 750. And actually, if you look at it, uh, Ridley had a good bit more touchdowns than than, um, Rid- than uh, Cooper did his sophomore year. Right. Uh, the cop-out answer is, well, it just depends on if Jalen Hurts improves. But it also, you can't just pin it all on someone you know, like the quarterback because it, you know, there's a chemistry that has to develop. And we all know that Cooper worked day in, day out to build chemistry, to work on his game and his craft. From everything right. I've seen, Ridley's that same kind of player. I get little interviews from him, from uh, you know, get to listen to some of the interviews that, that he does, and, and he says all the same things. It's, it's, you know, it's building the identity between quarterback and receiver, and they work after practice, and I don't see any reason other than the fact that we're more stacked at receiver now than we were when Cooper was younger. Right. If the, I think if there's anything that hurts his numbers this year, it's just that we have so many receivers. We mentioned Judy, but you can't forget Robert Foster, Cam Sims. No. Uh, we got a ton of freshmen coming in, like this guy named Henry Ruggs. Devontae Smith was another fringe five-star. Xavier Marks, a lot of people are saying he's in all the receiver drills yep. too deep right there. Yep. There's a That's lot, a of, lot receivers of future there. transfers. Derek Keefe, <laughs> you know. Well, Again, we already had one leave. Lots of future we had transfers. the one leave. We had we had the uh, we had T.J. Simmons who caught a touchdown or two in the spring game. He's already out. Yeah, but there's a lot of guys. So if we spread if if Deball Dayball, however you say his name, spreads the ball around a lot to each receiver, that's the only thing I see hurting Ridley's numbers because he is the alpha dog now with uh, you know, being the upperclassman in that group, and I'm expecting a. I'm expecting a huge rebound year from him. I don't even need to go into the numbers. I just say he is, he is the he's the guy. I think that uh, something that kind of happened um, last year with, uh, excuse me, with Calvin Ridley happened to Amari Cooper, where Amari Cooper walked into his sophomore year and he had to be the guy. You know, he had to. Who else did you see? we had? DeAndre White, which was yeah. fine. Yeah, he's good. You know, but it's. It's not, there's not, you know, there's no Cam Sims. There's no, uh, you know, Diggs. There's so many guys that can step up, you know. And then you look at Calvin Ridley last year. The other receivers are, are Darius Stewart, who is great, and Gary Dieter. 
Name the other and receiver. I'd say Stewart. From that court. Stewart. Ooh, I got the numbers now. If you want the coop to coop, to coop to Calvin, if you want him, if, we Ooh, not, if we've not moved on beyond that, give me that alley oop, that alley coop, coop if you will, that Cali like coop. That. We got there. We like we got there together. We're better. We did we're it. all the better for it. So we're Coop stronger. is a freshman, one thousand yards on the nose and eleven touchdowns. Calvin is a freshman, one thousand forty yards, seven touchdowns. Mm. Right, right on the nose. Cooper had more touchdowns. Sophomore year, Cooper seven thirty six, four TDs. The TDs feel lower than I thought. Actually, look, looking back at it, four touchdowns. Calvin last year seven sixty nine and seven. Those are very, very, very close. I, I, I think similar the numbers, coming. and that's what I mean. They had to be the guy. And so, you know, other teams would now just Cooper lock battled, in on that. Cooper but. battled injuries, and sure. Calvin battled Calvin lack battled of downfield injuries. passing game in the uh, later of the year. Calvin had a high ankle sprain the last part of the year, too. It's true. Don't forget that. You know, they, we hardly saw him during the Washington game. So... You know that's it's, it's something it's something to keep an eye on. It's definitely something to keep an eye on, and we'll we'll be keeping you updated as we're here stuff. Uh, hey, speaking of too many players in one unit, right? Let's talk about the running backs. The Rice quarter, the quarterback core. Um, yes, a <laughs> lot of running backs, a lot of future transfers there. Uh, we did have six. Now we got five. Are it, let, let me ask you this? I, I've got a different question in here. Is Damian Harris the clear starter on this team right now? No. I mean, who who do you start at running back? You got let's look at it. You got uh, Damian Harris. I say Scarborough. Okay, that's great. Uh, Bo Scarborough. Yeah, he's good too. Okay, Josh Jacobs. Yeah, he's great. Oh, but don't forget, we just picked up the number one recruit in the nation, Najee Harris. Uh, you know, uh, B.J. Emmons just left. Uh, who would start? He would start, I think, pretty much anywhere else in the SEC. You know, not we, to mention a four-star running back named Brian Robinson. Had any other team signed him, they would be in love with him already. He's yeah. like. He's he's, you know, an afterthought. Don't forget, we've got a mobile quarterback too. It's not like we've got Jake Coker the back team there who has no legs. And you know, as I say that, I remember Jake Coker absolutely flattening a Texas A&M linebacker. But you know what I mean. I remember him saving a national championship victory with his legs on a third, crucial third down. It was huge, but you know what I mean. Yeah. He's also not scrambling, uh, keeping no. Alabama in the national championship. Like I said, hurts. He's not hurt, winning hurts, the LSU uh, game. Led the uh, team in carries last year. Yeah, yeah. So and touchdowns. Give me your depth chart for the running backs right now. First, I'm going to ask: Is it possible that all five running backs? No, because Saban's not a guy that usually red shirts. Um, true freshman running right. backs. He usually uses them three, four years. He doesn't really red shirt many running backs. So, is it possible that each five have a role? And I'm not saying they all play in important moments. But is it possible that, and by this I mean the top four that we mentioned, because we know Harris is going to hit the field, we know Jacobs will play, and we definitely know uh, Scarborough and Damian Harris will play. Is it possible that all of them have a role, even if Robinson's role is blowout mop-up duty? Hold on, do you smell that right quick? I think I do, actually. It's you faint, a, but it's smoky. got a little, uh, you know, it smells like an electrical fire, because i got a hot take right now. Hot take. Ready? First one of season sure. three. I know you missed these. I know you missed these. We need a sound. We need to find a sound to play when we do this. Sizzle. I'll make some bacon and record it and throw it in there. There you go. Organic. That's what we bring you here. All natural. One of these running backs will transfer by the end of the season. It would have to be Robinson in that group. It's, I, yeah, it's definitely got to be Robinson, but... I, I, I don't I don't know if I see Damian Harris as the top even in the top three running backs right now for Alabama. Really? I I don't. From what I saw last year, Damian Harris fell off the face of the earth once the playoffs started. Am I wrong in that? I think just the running game as a whole. I think if it wasn't Scarborough running the ball, then we were trying to force it with something else. John, we, we've talked this to death, but we have. I don't. I don't think it's as much of a Damian Harris thing because he he was he was definitely injured toward the end of the year. Right. Um. I don't think as much of his a him problem as it was just a, a game planning. And problem. maybe they were trying to feed the hot hand. Maybe I'm misremembering, but what I remember is thinking we haven't seen Damian Harris in three quarters, and you know we're we're putting in both Scarborough 
every second or third run until he gets hurt, and then we're just throwing the ball or running it with our quarterback, who's terrified. Yes. Other than the third and seven that Joshua Jacobs picked up, and then we never get in the ball again. <laughs> uh, Harris made some actual some key plays on that last uh, touchdown drive that I have mostly in my brain mis misremembered, actually forgotten even completely, I should say. But I know he made some key plays. Right. They just he could have done exactly what Scarborough was doing earlier in that game. I I don't think it was a Damian Harris thing because I I do I do think that Damian Harris has an outside chance. A pretty good chance, I'll even say, to take the first snap. Yeah, it, we'll we'll see, we'll see. I mean, we got a new offensive coordinator. We don't know what his identity will be. We love to think he'll be so different than Kiffin, but maybe he won't be. Maybe he'll I don't just know how you can predict trim him the being... fat. Maybe he'll trim some of the fat that Kiffin had right. on there. I don't know to... if you can predict him being different than Kiffin when you've got four running backs and a mobile quarterback. I mean, Jalen Hurts is designed to play one offense. That's it. A <laughs> semi gotta hand the ball off this year. Semi up tempo, you know, read option, shotgun, pistol formation, trips formation, mobile quarterback. He is not a pocket passer. He is not someone who can run the triple option that well. He Here's- is an up tempo scrambler. Yeah, no, you're completely right about that, and. I think the best way to serve his scrambling ability is to hand the ball off, which is, again, we're not going to get into the last year too much, but that's just something that, that we didn't see, and obviously his fans will hope we'll see more this year. I don't know that there's going to be, quote-unquote, an odd man out in this running back group. I don't think that any of the top four transfer, unless they get in trouble, you know, um, I, a la Alvin Kamara. But I hope you're right. I hope you're right. But I'm trying to think the last time I saw that it wasn't a blowout that I saw more than three Alabama running backs come into a game. I remember but one here's, year. But here's the way I see it. I see Scarborough, if he blows, if either of the two, Damian Harris or Scarborough, have a great season, I would venture to say that this is their last season at Alabama. They're both juniors. One's a redshirt junior at this point because of medical redshirt. So I feel like either one of them could be off to the league. Yes. I feel like Saban tells this group, and Saban has been telling his running backs for a long time now, except Derrick Henry, hey, I've got you rested and ready. We play a 2-3 running back system, and you go to the league, and you don't have you have a great highlight film. Everybody knows your name because you played here, and you're not worn down. What's the your... only one that didn't was because Derrick Henry was forced to carry the ball 45 times a game because you did not want Coker throwing it 45 times, and Drake was hurt. Sure. What's your depth chart right now for that running back core? I go Scarborough because he was the hot hand to end the year. I go Harris comes in second series or third downs. Then I go, as of today, I think Jacobs has has solidified and done enough to say, hey, you're our number three running back. But I also think Harris starts to take snaps, especially late in games. Maybe Scarborough's tired than the other guys, but Harris is a bruiser, and he'll he'll keep – doing what Scarborough did the first half. I'm telling you, I think there's going to be a game plan for all four of them. And from what I read in camp, although the, you know, the media can only stay 15, 20 minutes of each practice, the dude's catching a lot of passes. He caught a lot of passes in the open practice on Saturday, and I think he'll be maybe somebody that's uh, designed as a receiver out of the backfield. Sure. I think, I, I think we'll have a game plan for all of them. I do think Robinson will redshirt. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's all a good call. Uh, last question on the running backs. More carries, Jacobs or Harris? By the end of the year, when it's all said and done. See, that was that 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 question there. I gotta applaud you. That's that's a tough one. We should make it since we're uh, since we're going to commit to social media. That's gonna be our first Twitter poll. We're gonna wow, have a I question can. every week. I like this. We're making this now. Every episode, we're gonna have a question, and then when we come back and do the next episode, we'll update you on the answer at the end. Um, maybe if that seems like it's working. But we're gonna test it out today. Jacobs or Harris. <sighs> We've always had seniority at running back. Sure. We have. It's been a it's been a very next man up thing. Jacobs looks every bit the part. Sure. And he was a true freshman last year. You know, he came in and was effective the same way Trent Richardson was. I don't know that it'll turn into what Richardson was or not. We'll see. But I think that Jacobs has earned the right to be that that guy. Even if it is third man up. That's not a bad job to have on Alabama. I say he gets more carries at the end of the year. Yeah. That is such a good problem to have. Yeah. No, it is. It is. And I'd love to picture a world where we, you know, have a, you know, 
first down guy, take him out. Second down guy, take him out. Third and five or less, you know, we've got that guy. Or a third and five or more, we've got that guy. And that's the guy that I just don't see it happening with this offensive scheme that we're going to run. I just don't. And I hope I'm wrong, but I just see one of those running backs being like, you know what, I'm way too good to be doing this. I need to find somewhere else. I hope I'm wrong. But perhaps the, my only thing is that we our running backs here have always been such a what's the word I'm looking cornerstone? for cornerstone such a posse you know the the running backs always take pride in their position unit sure they're yeah you know what I mean? it's it's a militia it's a it's a fraternity it's a fraternity I feel like I mean we always have some stragglers and a lot of people have transferred over the years but. You know, a couple years ago, we were staring at the same problem we had now. Right. Um, we had Yeldon, who was the the main Whoa. buck up, but we also had just signed, um, you know, uh, Kamara, Tenpenny, rest in peace, and Henry. Mm-hmm. You know, and all three of those guys were showing out right. as true freshmen. They were all the same year battling it out. They were all top five, four, five, six, seven running backs in their recruiting class, and they were all on the same team together. Right. Those are the ones that transferred. I, I hope you're right, and I, I hope that. But they the transferred because they got into trouble. Right. Not because. Right. There are some extenuating circumstances and all of that. But, all right. Uh, much as I, I feel like Alabama's football season will go, the offense has carried most of this episode so far. Let's move on to the yeah. defense. We're not going to focus on the line or linebackers. We'll hit that again within the next couple of weeks. Let's go straight to the defensive backfield. Uh you know, the guy that everybody's going to be mentioning is Minka Fitzpatrick. A lot of people are saying, well, he's, he's our safety. He's our guy at safety. He wants to play safety. So people say, but if he's the best defensive back option we've got at a certain position, I'd rather have him one-on-one coverage at defensive back. So where do you put Minka Fitzpatrick? If you're the coach, see, I disagree with you there and I'll tell you why. And, um, Minka Fitzpatrick is the most versatile defensive player that Saban's had, in my opinion. Wow! As far as where he can line up, uh, no, I, I would, I would, I would say Mark Barron. Sorry, I would put Mark because Mark Barron can play linebacker too. He's the second most versatile guy we've had. You're forgetting Courtney the, Upshaw. Well, Courtney Upshaw could have played quarterback if they wanted <laughs> to. Um, he could have played. He could have been the kicker. He could have been the the long snapper. Sure. I don't care. He's amazing. He's but, no Cyrus Jones, but sure. Here's when I slice it down. Here's the question I find myself asking: Do I trust on the football field, based on what I've seen on the field, more? Do I trust Tony Brown to do his job or Hootie Jones? Right now, it's Tony Brown. He came on really strong at the end of last year. He actually had a very good national championship game and a very good playoff. He was in the doghouse to start of the year, and we talked at length about that. He's kind of gotten himself out, and he played great, and he was injured a little bit. He was suspended and all this and that. He's back now. I like what he's done on the field because you got Anthony Averett, and it looks like Trayvon Diggs will be our two corners yes. at this time. Um, so the star, if you will, it's between Fitzpatrick playing star and Hootie Jones starting or Tony Brown playing star and Minka starting at safety where he was – I mean – there were. From the safety position, there was no drop-off when Eddie Jackson went down last. There was some drop-offs from other positions on the field trying to figure it out. But from the back end of our defense, Fitzpatrick was amazing back there. Right. It was incredible. So I like I like having him back there because you can pull him up and you can play him at safety or linebacker if you think you need to. You have more freedom at strong safety to move around the field than you do at corner. What about Ronnie Harrison? Oh, he's he's free safety, and he's one of the best in the country. I'm excited for him. I think Very he, excited explodes this year i agree i agree uh you've also got xavier mckinney uh you know you've got Kyrie mcdonald you've got a lot of defensive backs um but the guy that i think needs to step it up this year not because he didn't last year but because i think it's his time to shine he's a redshirt senior you got to look at anthony averett stepped up played loved him last year played you know he wasn't going to knock you off the page he was he was an alabama quarterback at defensive back does that make sense there's not been one that you're thinking, man, that was an athlete. That was a great, great player, and we are seriously, we are much better off because we had him. But he's also not going to be a 
oh my god, we lost the game because of him. But he was so unheralded. I seriously feel like he could come in and, and, and be one of the top corners in the country. Wow. I mean, I swear, I, I think I think so much of him. I don't know what it is, but I just feel like he was, because you know, we had superstars. I mean, he was by year. no means locked down last year, Bray. No, 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 no. But he was so solid. He was good. And that was that, and that he probably fed off of what our defensive front was. He was creating. good. We need him to be great. If we want to have I a defense like be. we had last year, we need him to be great. I think he can be great. I'm hoping so. I'm hoping so. I hope he and Tony Brown are my two guys. I'm looking at there. Marlon Humphrey uh, is another guy. Um, and I mean, he's he got burned way more often than Averett did last year. Yeah, absolutely. Did. That's what I'm saying. He needs to step up. You know, I. I but I think that. Um, you know, those few handful of guys, there's just a lot of question marks, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm really, like you said, I'm really looking forward to Ronnie Harrison just knocking the crap out of people. I mean, he obliterated some people last year, and I've heard he's gotten bigger, heard he's lost a step because uh, he's put a little bit more weight on, but I'm excited to see kind of what that does for him at the safety position. If he can fix his discipline, oh, my gosh. Yes. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, man. I'm not saying we're going to be 2016 good on defense, but I, a lot of people are, are having all these doomsday scenarios. It's too early for that, man. we got some good, good, good talent coming back. Too early for the doomsdayers. All right, let's move on. Uh, kind of getting out of camp, getting into some trouble. All right, we've got Deshaun Hand. We almost made it, by the way. We almost made it a full off season. Almost got it. Almost. News breaks last Saturday. Deshaun Hand arrested with DUI. Everybody... Was, I'm going to ask you, what was your initial reaction? We need to wait and hear what happened. Well, you're smart, because most people didn't have that. No, most people did not, and that's why I had that. Because if anything watching Last Chance U has taught you, it's that you can't <laughs> jump to conclusions. Am I right? We cannot jump to conclusions. Can't do it. Um, but in all seriousness, I, I said, all right, let's just wait and see. I had a Florida fan absolutely climb down my throat on Twitter just lose his mind about how Saban cannot keep a hold of his players and there's always a DUI with Alabama and Saban's there's no way there's no way he is going to suspend him no way and I said all right let's just wait and see what the facts are but I told him what I'll tell you if this were a DUI and he does start on day one there's no need to be shocked by it and there's no need to act like it's an Alabama exclusive problem it is a college football problem where what you do on the field is more important than your character and what you do off the field. I don't think that's a secret by any means. Do we forget that Jordan Jefferson curb stomped a Marine and then came and beat Alabama and Tuscaloosa in the game of the century? Do you remember that? Because I remember that. Oh, we could we could be pulling examples I mean, we could we could go. For hours. You want to go Urban Meyer's 2008 Florida team where half the roster got arrested and they all still played? And then one of them got in prison and killed himself, and a couple more are still in prison, I think. I mean, do you really want to do this? Because it's not, it's not an Alabama problem. I mean, it is a problem there, but it's a college football issue. So that's, that's my yeah, little hot take area. on that. But there's a gray area. There absolutely a- is. So, But now you hear he didn't even leave the parking lot, put his keys in the ignition, because, Brick, you and I have been out late at night in August in Tuscaloosa. It's not exactly cool. Got to turn the car on. Got to get the AC going, you know? Obviously, you don't want one of your guys out late, drunk, sitting in a parking lot late at night in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, but it could have been a lot worse. Could have been a lot worse. Uh, I think the punishment fits the crime, and I bet he's doing a lot more than people are letting on to kind of make up for it and get out of the doghouse. I think it's time for everybody to move past it. Do I think people are going to? No. I bet there's still people the first game they're going to bring it up and talk about it like he ran over six puppies and hit an elementary school before his car stopped. But, hey, it's a college football issue. It's not an Alabama exclusive issue. Anything you want oh, to mention on the it, subject? Well, it's, 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 it, it took on life here because obviously I'm in Seminole country and that's sure. our first opponent. So, you know, it was talked about. Of course, to me at work, everybody was coming up and asking me about it. And I was saying similar to what you were saying. I was saying, hey, you know, We'll find out more about the the story, you know, where he was, what he was doing, what time it was at, all this stuff. Sure. Um, and then, you know, we learned that he wasn't in the car. And I, I, I put it this way. I, I, I agree. I agree with the decision that was made because uh, the way Saban put it is he had a series 
of bad decisions that night. Sure. And then he didn't make the bad decision. He he kind of salvaged his night by not making the bad decision. He was probably ignorant to the rule that if you put your keys in the ignition, you can still have a DUI. I learned something with this, by the way. I learned a lesson from this, and I'm 25. What is this? This would be that I knew I knew that it's it's true. If you're drunk, you get in your car, you turn it on, and you're just laying there sleeping, you can get a DUI. I knew that. What I didn't know is if you even know where your keys are and they're within an arm's reach or a car's arm's reach to grab and put in, you can get a DUI. If you have them in your backpack, in the passenger seat, or in the back seat, you can get a DUI. If they're in a completely different pocket and other pants in the back seat, if you have any knowledge of where it is, so I was reading around, you know, what, what, is, what is with this rule? I don't really understand that, to, to be completely honest. And I'm not trying to defend Deshaun Hand because I feel like I would feel this way if, um, if one of Florida State's or Auburn's players did it. If I'm just being honest, I feel like that almost pressures kids to go, well, I'm drunk, I don't have money on me, whatever your thing is, and I don't have a way to get home. If I go get in my car, I'm going to get a DUI. I live eight minutes away. Let's see if I can just skirt the rule get home and not have to deal with this again. I feel like that almost tells kids to, hey, just you're in a bad situation. Just get home as quick as you can. That or even worse, hey, you know what? I'm eight minutes from home. It's two miles. Saban makes me run three miles every day as is. Screw it. I'll just walk home. That too. I mean, there's a and lot of bad things that can come streets. from it. I mean, it's just, there's, it, it's just such a fuzzy rule. And but this is again not to defend no his, not at all his actions and, and you know you as a football player you shouldn't you shouldn't be out at two thirty in the morning drunk with no way to get home right although Uber does exist Lyft is now in Tuscaloosa and they even have this service where golf carts will take you home if you really need them to and they would probably give it to the football players um, three, <laughs> first and foremost yes three four so, eight ride too three four eight ride exists for a reason there's a lot of ways to get home and yes he didn't make. There are other things he could have done, but at the end of the day, he didn't put other people in harm's way. Um, by the way, if anybody's listening, what I've heard is if you do this, if you put your keys in your gas tank or you know inside the gas tank door and get in your car, since it's not with an arm's reach, you're fine. That's what I read. Put them in just the in trunk. case anyone was wondering, put them in the trunk or put them in you know yep. somewhere where you can't quickly reach in your car because yep. that's that's possession of the vehicle. Yeah. So. That's that's all I got to say about that. Uh, I'm I'm good to move on if you are. Yeah, I'm fine. You know, a lot of people are angry, but at the end of the day, I feel like if a lot of people said that that was their player, they would feel the same way. You know, if this was uh if this was Josh Sweat at FSU, I think FSU fans would feel the same way. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, let's move on. Uh, let's let's go with a little bit of uh, a little a little around the SEC uneventful media days this year. Not a lot going on. However. One big thing was going on. The day before the final day of SEC Media Days, Houston Nutt releases that he is filing a lawsuit against the University of Mississippi and Hugh Freeze uh, for slander, for just everything. Documents very telling about phone calls. And that's what we kept hearing for a couple days. And nothing really came of it for a couple days until it did very quickly. Hugh Freeze is out at Old Miss busted for calling an escort service uh people calling him a phony a fake a lot of people saying this is just the tip of the iceberg i was under the impression that old miss was keeping hugh freeze around as sort of a martyr you know they're saying oh well we really like this guy we really like this guy we don't want to get rid of this guy we don't want to get rid of this guy okay yeah. i guess we'll get rid of him and then yeah. it's over with but now oh boy old miss is in a heap of trouble this is just the tip of the iceberg because he's already it very gone. well could be. He's already gone. If if none of this happens, he's already gone. The end of discussion. You cannot have the things that Tunsil said in the draft press room and not have the head coach at the time be gone. It can't happen. It just can't. So now what do they do? What's next? Probably going to take away bowl game privileges. For starters, well, they already they already self imposed this year, so this year this year's already, already out. Going. But yeah. I, I mean, NCAA wise, I think this could be the tip of the iceberg. I don't have much faith in the NCAA to actually get a ton done. I mean, we're still waiting on Baylor, uh, North Miami. Carolina. Nothing ended up happening. North Carolina. Nothing really ended up happening. 
Auburn. Nothing ended up happening. Um, Mississippi State. Mississippi State. Ole Miss looks like the team. It looks worse. Looks worse here. It looks about where it did in Miami because Miami was looking real bad there for a minute. Yeah. This is about that feeling, but. You know, you actually have Tunsil on tape saying, yeah, I'd have to say I was paid. You have texts that he sent to uh, to people about uh, – I'm forgetting now, so I won't butcher it. But pretty pretty damning texts in there as well that he sent to agents and stuff or whatever. Um, coaches, I don't remember. But right. with the Hugh Freeze thing, yeah, that was a curveball. That was a curveball that nobody was expecting. We're still waiting on any kind of findings. Right. Um, right. And, you know, it was, I was listening to – Paul Feinbaum show the other day while I was folding laundry, watching on TV, I should say, and somebody said, you know, did you know he was a phony? Feinbaum said, I thought he was a genuine person. You know, I, I believed every word that he preached, and I thought he was really turning the program around. I thought it was fishy what was going on at Ole Miss, but, you know, not more fishy than anything else going on in any other SEC school, which he has a point. But now, I, I would hate to be in the... Uh, and the blue and robin red. That's for sure. It's true. It's for sure. All right. Well, that was a uh, yeah. It was it was pretty huge news, but it happened. Obviously, you know, Hugh Freeze um, got there, and Ole Miss was you know dumpster fire. They yes. were bottom of the SEC West every single year. Um, they couldn't compete. They get there, they start signing five stars like crazy, right? This is what we're waiting on. We're waiting to see stuff about the Laquan Treadwell, um, J- Laramie Tunsil. They had a, uh, they had um, oh, who was uh, Robert? Kim- both Kimdichi kids. All of these people signing. They beat you know they beat Alabama twice in the process with these guys. Beat LSU once. They beat LSU. They uh, they had some great seasons in there. You know they 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 fought for. Um, they were they were flirting with. SEC West titles in there a little bit, you know, possibly going to the SEC championship game until some late season losses. They had some good seasons in there. And uh, the funny thing is, I'll say this, one of my crushes, remember how Deshaun Watson two years ago, three years ago at this time now, was one of my crushes? Sure. Almost loved Deshaun Watson. He had just torn his ACL. Not many people knew too much about him. Shea Patterson, their quarterback, was and still maybe kind of is becoming one of those guys for me. I love I love the way he plays. Yeah, he's not leaving. He said. Well, if it's not him, it's Stidham, right? <laughs> we'll talk more about Stidham later. But um, I really like this Patterson kid. He said he's not leaving. But what happens if a hammer comes down and Ole Miss can't play in a bowl game for five years? They're all what gone. What kind of quarterback wants to They're do that? They're gone. And then you know the, with the rules now, they can leave. So how many of these players does Auburn get? Yeah, I mean, I kid, but only halfway. No, I mean, I I think you've got to. I think the bigger threat is LSU at this point. Trending upward, new coach who loves his players. His players love the coach. You know, already a lot of prestige. If you name another team or another, yeah, another team in the SEC who's really competed with Alabama, it's Auburn and, and LSU. You know how you know how Ole Miss can save some of this and salvage some of those kids. Get less miles. Now that is a hot take. Wow. I mean, they'd lose some, but he would bring excitement to the program. He's um, he's uh, he's different enough from Freeze for the program. It would it would it would breathe new life into something that needs is going to need life here pretty soon. Um, and you know, Ole Miss had a had a rough year last year with some very close losses to open the season. Injuries later, and they end up the year what four and eight, five and seven. You know, yeah. Not a great year for them when they came in ranked in the top twenty. So. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, th- I feel like we're kind of going in circles now talking about him, but you know, with Hugh Freeze being out and Ole Miss for a couple seasons, they're really looking like a team that was going to find a way to linchpin their top, at least wedge their way into the top three teams in the West for a while. Eh, going to be back down to square one now. I, I say we get uh, Evil Knievel back in here. Let's get some Bobby Petrino action over at Ole Miss. <laughs> Good old Ghost Rider himself. I think Petrino's good where he is right now. I don't know if good's the word I'd use. All right, I got I got a sound off for you. Uh, you want to go first? Or you want me to go? Um, well, let's let you go. Last chance, you season two. 
First of all, uh, shot beautifully, that show. If you're a big football fan, you've got Netflix, you haven't seen it, watch Last Chance You. Do yourself a favor. Two-a-days on MTV does not even compare to this. And that was high school. This is this is Juco, but it's still college football. Uh, you know, um, the story obviously is the it's the Last Chance You. It's in Scuba, Mississippi, Eastern Mississippi Community College where they won championships and championships. Jaron Reed went there. LeGarrette Blunt went there. Chad Kelly went there. Bo Wallace went there. You know, you've got a whole heap of players from uh, season one that are now playing in Division One schools. This is season two. It was a great season. It's beautifully shot, very well done. Uh, I, I think it opens the eyes to some people that have never really been in college football and been in that world. Uh, my girlfriend being one of them, um, a good friend of mine from work being one of them, that doesn't really understand how much stress goes into that, and that's a great way to show them. And this show, this season, tackles things like concussions and future plans if football doesn't work out and things like that a lot better than the first season did. However, I didn't feel as emotionally invested in some of the players and coaches uh, like I did in season one. Now, that may have just been because of some of the shine, some of the newness. I don't think that was anything to do with the editing or the filming or anything like that. I think it's just you see the same song and dance in every episode so many times. The novelty was gone. That Yes, exactly. You see the same song and dance so many times that it just doesn't really matter anymore. You, you're just sick of it. Um, they're leaving. They're going to a school in Kansas. You'll have to forgive me. I didn't look up the name. I'm very excited to see how that all plays out. called Independence Community College. Sure. That sounds about right. Um, I'm, I'm very excited to see how all that kind of plays out, how they, you know, if they continue a similar editing style, if they can, you know, uh, consider doing another sort of storytelling model or if it's more about the community or if it's more about the student athletes themselves rather than the coach. Just very interested to see how they do it. Uh, but, you know, I, I guess we'll just kind of have to wait and see. Um, like I said, both seasons are on Netflix. They're great. I watched them in a weekend. I think Brick watched them in two or three days. Uh, you know, you'll you'll really not want to put it down. It leaves you with a lot of great cliffhangers at the end of every episode. And it's a great way to sort of get your college football fix uh, just in time for the season. So, Brick, mine is over. What is your sound off this week? I guess I'll talk a little bit about um... – you know the FSU media days I went to. Obviously, the way media days are set up, uh, it's 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 a lot like the way Alabama does it for their media. It's a chance to just um, get to see some of these players. They take the team picture. You see them all together. You see them interacting. You get a lot of access as far as um, you know. I talked to all the top players on FSU's team. You know DeAndre Francois coming back at quarterback, uh, Jaquez Patrick, who's going to be the guy that takes over for uh, Dalvin Cook this year, along with Cam Akers. But he's a true freshman. They can't talk to true freshmen. Um, Derwin James, who you know, ESPN and Sports Illustrated have labeled the top player in college football coming back this year. So there's a lot of great names in there. Um, I'll talk about Derwin James a little later on the podcast because he is one of my man crushes. And I asked him a very funny question that I'll get into actually right now. Uh, they both he played at IMG with um, Bo Scarborough. Sure. This is just some cute little insight. There's no point to what I'm rambling here, but I think it's kind of fun. Um, he played at IMG with Bo Scarborough. So, you know, they're buddies. They were working out in the summer, and I think Bo uploaded an Instagram. And I said, hey, uh, Derwin, i got to ask you about an Instagram I saw. You know, I know that you and Bo are friends. You and Bo Scarborough are hanging out, working out over the summer. And I have to tell you, man, you're a safety, and there are not many guys that can make Bo Scarborough look like a regular dude. And you all looked like two regular dudes standing next to each other. Yeah. Uh, and then I asked him, you know, what, what are they feeding you? But it was kind of cool, so I got to see a little bit of their personality. But... I think the part that really works for this podcast, because you know most everything else was for the Florida State fans I report to here, um, I asked all of them about the Alabama game, and a lot of their answers were very similar. And it's just very cool to me the way that a, a team that's about to play in Alabama, you know, they played Ole Miss to open the year, they played Oklahoma State to open the year, but this is like different level. I mean, they, there's so much focus, and I know that Florida that Alabama is doing the same thing. There's this focus. Where, of course, they say the regular things like, you know, Alabama is just, it's another game on our schedule. You know, we got a whole season to prepare for. But you can tell that there's a sense of urgency to them. All of them. I mean, all of their answers were very similar. It was just, you know, yeah, we're ready. You know, we're looking forward to uh, playing a team like that. That's why you come to a school like that. It's just, I guess it's just another way to hype up a game that's going to have plenty of hype by the time it rolls around. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, I mean, think everybody's is... going to be on the edge of their seats. Let's talk about that. those first two weeks of college football, too. I mean, you've got uh, Auburn-Clemson's that week. Uh, Texas and is it – who is it? Uh, Texas and USC play, I think, that first Texas week. Texas-USC, you got a Notre Dame-Georgia. You got a Florida-Michigan in there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just got a lot of games, and that's something that – I mean, you've got Liberty got... and Baylor – I mean, You've got Navy and Florida Atlantic. Who doesn't want to watch the Liberty Flames play their first collegiate game against Baylor? Who, you by don't. the way, uh, just in case you forgot, covered up a, a series of rapes uh, that their football players committed, and there's still no action behind it. Not to mention, didn't the athletic director or somebody in charge oh. of Baylor athletics go to Liberty in there? Funny you should mention that. Yes. Okay, so you already knew that. The ex-athletic director from Baylor did, in fact, go to Liberty. Nice work, Patrick. But yeah, no, go Flames. Okay, not to be a not to be a jackass here, but that's isn't doesn't Liberty pride themselves on being like a are they Baptist, Methodist, big like big a, 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 Christian a religious school. college? Yes, very yeah. religious college. Um, and I think that was why it was so shocking to everybody. And now I will say this: I will. They are big conference rivals with High Point, where I work. So yeah. I am not a huge fan of them already, just from an athletics perspective. Uh, their athletic program is shady at best, uh, and I'm I'm not a huge fan of it. Uh, just the way they operate. Uh, this is obviously athletic director coaches players. The way the coaches treat players. Everyone else in their athletic department, their front office, other than one person, is a fantastic person. I've met multiple students from Liberty that are stand-up people. I will say that and battle that to my core. Uh, that being said, can't stand them. Um, really hope Baylor puts up 70 in the first half. That is rare for you to say. It is. Usually I don't acknowledge Baylor as a university, but it's season three. So we're growing up. We're maturing. We're, have, we're gonna, are we going to find a new team to hate, or is it going to continue to be Baylor? I, you know, it's going to be Baylor, but it's, it's going to have to wait till after this first week because there's, there's nothing more despicable to me. It's like Penn State hiring James Franklin after he covered up rape allegations. Like, that's the one thing you don't need at that college right now. I'm getting heated. I need to stop. We need to wind down. But you know what I mean. You know where I'm getting at. Okay, back to the topic at hand. That Those first two weeks of college football are obviously going to be uh, going to be very great. We probably great. even missed some exciting games in there. Alabama FSU obviously gets game day. Going to be the uh, first collegiate, really the first regular season, big-time sporting event to be held in the new Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Uh, the roof will be closed. The uh, the open they won't be able to open it in time. That will not be finished in time for the regular season. But either way, it's going to be an awesome venue, an awesome it's gonna game. Be great. It's going to be um, great. Hopefully, they've got great cell service because I'll try to you know tweet stuff and and send stuff out because uh like I said, I got my credentials approved. Uh, it's going to be a busy day for me. Um, I know I make it sound like on the podcast I go to play and have fun. No, these games are tiring. And uh, I still enjoy doing it. It's sure. weird. I haven't done this with Alabama in a way where it's different. Like, I went to the Alabama Ole Miss game last year. But it, I was covering it, but, you know, it's weird. It's, the, the difference between being there as a fan and as a work, I don't, I'm, I'm wondering how easy it's going to be for me to be, you know, Patrick the worker at the same time being Patrick the fan. At this game, because you know, an FSU was obviously my my favorite team growing up. Sure, this is so strange to me. Obviously, I hope Alabama, you know, beats them forty nine nothing. But It'd be great. Nothing would make me happier. Don't get me wrong. But anyway, it's gonna be a great week. That was gonna be a great season. This has been a great first episode. We appreciate everybody listening. Uh, we got we got some info for you. If you want to follow us on social media, we'll obviously keep up with it a little bit better than we did last year. You can follow us on Twitter at PI underscore podcast. You can go to our Facebook at Pat's Interference. That's P-A-T apostrophe S Interference. Or visit our website at patsinterference.com. There you can find our link to email us. That is patsinterference at gmail.com. Uh, I'm tweeting out that po- poll, by the way. You right have now. to. You have to. Uh, we've got, uh, gosh, we're on what? Uh, Amazon, Google Play, and, you know, all of that. Um, Stitcher. You're going to make up a Stitcher. thing here. See, that was season two, though. Like I said, we've matured. Okay, I, I got to find a new <laughs> thing. You know, season one was finding a, a new a new uh, way to bring up hot takes. We had a callback to that tonight. You know, obviously, we, we've got a callback right now to my season two thing. I got to find someone else in season three. 
and I think I think it might just be in depth. I, I think we'll call it owl watch. We'll call it owl bird. Watch. We'll call it bird watching. What what was their name? They were they were owl in because it sounds like all in. That's Lane Kiffin's thing. Hashtag oh, owl that in. That's the worst thing I've ever heard, and I'm oh, so that's his thing you though. But You're welcome. Anyway, if you need to reach us, that's how to reach us. Uh, we, we always want feedback. So happy to be back. Couldn't do this without y'all. We always talked about doing this. Couldn't do it without people listening. So thank you so much for listening. For Patrick Bremen, I am Patrick Norwood. This has been Pat's Interference. Interference.